0: Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at LighthouseChurchNC.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the Dream Team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Okay, let's dig in. Let's go to Psalm 19, verse 1. It's uh, one scripture that I'm going to read, and then we're going to jump into um, everything that we got for today. So Psalm 19, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, open up up there. We'll also put it up on the screen. It says, the heavens tell of the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. Let's talk about science and faith. And before I go any further, let me just take you through one more prayer. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for all the incredible things that you are doing here in this house. I thank you, God, for the time of worship that we had. Father, not only did we feel you, but we were reminded, Father, that nothing else matters but you. And I pray, Father, that that song and and through our worship, it would have ministered to someone's life and really recalibrated and realigned them to all that really matters. And now, God, I pray that you would talk to us through this difficult conversation. pray that you open up every heart and mind to receive your word. We ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. How do we reconcile science and faith? Well, as we began to go down this subject of science and faith, um, there, there was a couple of things. There was a couple. Can we bring up the lights one more time? Just a bit. There's a couple of questions that I asked myself that I really wanted to reconcile is science and faith in violent opposition. That was a question I wanted to answer. If you are a person of faith, do you reject science? How do we reconcile our faith when sometimes it seems like it collides with science? So, so those are the three questions that 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 I walked into, and I and I really tried to approach this subject eyes wide open. And 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 these are the questions that I really wanted to answer. And and. Thankfully, um, and and through a lot of YouTube research and, and reading, I, I I couldn't help but stumble upon um, some of the things that the astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson talked about. Anybody familiar with Neil deGrasse Tyson? Y'all know who that is. Uh, I mean, the guy's just absolutely brilliant. Um, he doesn't share our faith. That doesn't mean he's not a brilliant guy. But I couldn't help but listen to some of the conversations that he had on the subject because I felt like it was a perspective that I needed to get. And he said this because I, I say all that because I, I want you to know who is saying this and it was actually neil degrasse tyson the well-known astrophysicist who said this that science and faith are not in violent opposition science and faith are not in opposition he went on to say and i'm quoting him that 40 percent of scientists have affirmed that they are christian so almost half of those that 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 are working in that field, half of the people, almost half of the people that are scientists, are actually professing Christians, and and, and so that was pretty assuring as I began to dive into it. But I wanted to answer the question. Well, then, what is science? What is science? Let, let's let's start by defining that so we have a framework to to work with today. Does that sound good? So science is this it's the it's the systematic study of the structure of behavior in the physical and natural world through observation and experiment everybody say observation um that that that's that's a big thing that that really leaped out at me and something that I want to take away from that statement the systematic study of the structure of behavior the physical and natural world through observation. So observation simply means somebody has to observe that it happened and document it in order for it to be science. Someone had to have observed it and documented it in order for it to be science, so the second part of that definition is experiment or experimentation. There has to be a repeatability in order for it to be science. So those are two big things that I want you to grab: observation, say observation, and I want you to say experimentation. There has to be observation and there has to be experimentation. Now, now that we know that, let me let me take a leap here and say that we are taught various theories in particular to our origin, because oftentimes when you talk about science and faith, it's this this question of going back to how in the world did we even get here? And so th- we are taught various theories of our origins that are called science. And here's a big point that I want to make. But there's a lot of things that are passed off as science that are actually just theory. There are a lot of things in, in, in a classroom setting that are taught as science but do not fit the definition of science they don't and and, and 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 so if it wasn't observed okay and if it can't be repeated then it does not classify as science by the definition of science if someone was not around to observe it and no one has been able to repeat it then it is not science by the definition of science you guys with me so far Now, going back to what Neil deGrasse Tyson said, because he had a lot of good stuff that he said, but that he also said some things that I don't agree with. And it's okay to not agree with someone and still think that they're a bright, brilliant guy. But he said this. Neil deGrasse Tyson also said this. Faith does not belong in the science classroom. That's a big statement. Faith does not belong or religion does not belong in the science classroom. Now, this is a big shocker. For some of you, some of you, 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 it's not a big shocker, but some of you, this statement might, might, might get a, a reaction out of you, but I actually happen to agree with him. I actually happen to agree with him that there is, um, there is a degree of our religion and faith that does not belong in the science classroom. However, I contend that the same is also true of many of the other theories of our origin that are taught as science because they don't fit the science criteria because someone did not observe it happen and it has not been able to be repeated. And so let's not call it science if it's not been observed and it's not been repeated. Let's call it what it is. It is a theory. Can you say theory? All right. Y'all learning so far? Y'all tracking with me? Okay. So Things that are theories that, that have not been observed and repeated, they don't fit the definition of science. And so if religion doesn't belong in the science classroom, then I would contend that neither do any other theories that don't meet the definition of science. But it doesn't mean that theories do not have a place. Theories have a place, but if it does not meet the criteria of science, call it what it is, it's a theory. Or you can call it faith. You guys get track with me so far? If it's a theory that you believe in, call it what it is, it's faith. Now, now there's two different types of, there's two definitions of faith. Let, let me quantify that statement, okay? There's two different types of faith. Faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So when you have given complete confidence into someone or something, if you have put your confidence in a theory, if you're saying, I believe in this, my, my confidence in, is in this, then, then, then I argue that it's actually faith. You have faith in a theory, so you can have faith in the Big Bang Theory. You could have faith in the theory of evolution. You could have faith because you are putting your absolute confidence in something, okay? Now, that's one definition of faith. The second definition of faith is it is a strong belief in God or in biblical doctrines based on spiritual apprehensions rather than proof. And that's where we reside. That's where we reside. Now, now you, you, you may want to uh, disagree with me, but, but you, we have to understand that no one was there to observe God create anything. Right? No one observed it. We have his written word. So that is why faith doesn't fit the science crit- criteria. But, but at the same time, no one observed a Big Bang. It's a theory. No one has observed a fish becoming a philosopher. That's why that's, yeah, it's a theory, but someone has a right to believe that. And, and someone has a right to ascribe to that, but just understand that just as what I believe to be a creation by, uh, by God to, to be, it, 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 there is intelligent design that's called faith, but you cannot call your theory science just because you teach it in a science classroom because it doesn't meet the criteria of science mom and dad I hope you're listening good because when your kids start learning about this stuff in the classroom it's your responsibility when they get home to really unpack what is theory and what is actually science to them because many many things are taught as science that do not meet the science criteria I I know we like to just say it's the Christian faith and it's, it's, it's we grab onto that and say that's just a theory but by the definition of science so is a big bang that is a theory. No one observed it. Hasn't been repeated. So is evolution. That is a theory. Nobody observed it. Hasn't been repeated. And so it does not fit the definition and the criteria of science. I cannot prove to you my theory of origin any more than someone else can prove to me their theory of origin. You guys, track it with me so far? And so, as I mentioned, there are some really big views on our, our, our origins. There is what I believe to be that, that we were created, if, or if you want to call intelligent design, that, that there was a God who created us. And, and so that is my belief, and that is my theory, and that is what my faith is in. But as I mentioned, there are some that believe in a Big Bang. Some believe that an, ast- an asteroid collided. Um, some believe in evolution or some believe it's a combination of first the asteroid hit and then fish grew legs and the legs started walking and, you know, and then they became monkeys and, the mon- and here we are. Okay. Um, and I'm not trying to make light of it. There are people that believe that. So we have all of these attempts to define really our origins. But, but I believe that anyone who takes a position, um, that I I believe that anyone that has taken, um, that position, either the evolution or the big bang really ascribes a faith. They may not want to be called that because like, just like the wrestler Skeleto said in the life changing movie, Nacho Libre, um, hope you get the humor there. He said, I've not been saved because I believe in science. Um, and, 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 you know, we got to be careful with what we call science because it's actually theory. It's, it, it's theory that does not fit the criteria of science. And so I, I hope I've, I've painted a picture for you of, of what is science, and, and, and I hope I've I painted a picture for you of what is really theory that is oftentimes taught as science. And, and this is why you cannot believe everything that you hear, right? And just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. We do our best to try to come up with some definition and and we do our best to try to understand things. But there are things that we just do not understand. And 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 I can tell you that through all of my study of Scripture, and there are many of you that are at the same place, too. You can study the Bible in and out Genesis to Revelation and still be left with a whole lot of questions. Is there anyone else that is still left with a whole lot of questions? Because I know I am. I know I am. And do you want to know who else was also left with a whole lot of questions? Someone by the name of Paul, who, who, who wrote about two-thirds of, the new, uh, two-thirds of our Bible. He wrote a good chunk of our Bible. And, and Paul said this. He said, you know, right now, and, and I'm going to paraphrase some of the language he used, but he says, right now, we actually look through a glass dimly. But when we see our Father, when we get to heaven, then things are going to be made clear. This is why I have a hard time talking to people who think they know everything. You ever met anyone like that? They know it all. They know it all. And and that's true of even Christians that think they know it all. Because, again, I've got the same Bible, and I'm still left with some questions. Now, it's not on questions that pertain to salvation. Thankfully, God has made that abundantly clear. But there's just some passages that I read that I'm like, nope, don't get it. (laughs) I just don't understand it. And I don't know if you know this, but there's about seven different theories on creation about how God created. I don't know if you knew that or not. So just within the the belief that God created, within that belief, there's a whole lot of discussion of, well, what does that mean? And I don't have time to break it all down for you because we're going to try our best to stick to science and faith and not get into creation. Um, And I want to stay there with science and faith. But just know that even within the classroom of Christianity, if you will, there's still a lot of discussion about this stuff. And have you ever wondered about that? How is it that you can get some of the smartest biblical scholars in the room and yet they still can't agree? And and, and so that's why I'm like, I've given up on certain things, certain things, okay, not all things. I've given up on certain things trying to act like I'm an expert because I'm like, man, if this guy who speaks like 20 different languages can actually read in Hebrew and Greek cannot agree with this guy that actually parallels all his accomplishments, I've got no hope. I've just got no hope. I mean, if you two can't agree, you get what I'm saying? If you two experts can't agree, what type of hope do I have? Um, now, this is now again, I believe that salvation is abundantly clear. I believe that God and, and, and his son and his Holy Spirit and how it works in the earth today, I believe that's all abundantly clear. I think that what is truly important has been made abundantly clear. But there are some things where I just kind of scratch my head and I'm like, man, I just don't know. But I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. Hey, what did you mean by that? And, then, and, and, and back, in, um, back in the old church, and, and um, I, I, I uh, thank you all for indulging me every time I go back to the old church. Um, because as you probably picked up already, for those of you that have been coming, you know that I grew up in church. And I grew up in old church and, and long church. You know, you could fall asleep halfway through, wake up and still catch the sermon type of church. Um, you know, but they would sing these songs and I remember one, we will understand it better by and by. Do you guys remember that one? Okay. Uh, and, and I remember that song, but, but we even made a song out of it. Like, look, we're not going to understand it all here, but when we get to heaven, we're going to understand it better. And so, and, and, and so that's why I am okay to say that my faith does not belong in the science classroom because it's something that doesn't fit the criteria of science, but that's the same with many of the other theories. Say many of you with me so far. All right. Now, let me take a little deeper. So we've talked a little about science and we've talked about um, scriptures, but, but, but here's what I found. This is the next point that I want you to get. These scriptures embrace science. The scriptures embrace science. They're not in opposition. The scriptures embrace science. Let me read you a passage of scripture in Daniel. It's going to come up on the screen. Daniel chapter 1. And uh, let, me, let me give you the context and then I'll, I'll read the passage of scripture. So um, in, in, in the history of Israel, if you go back and you read the Old Testament, how many Old Testament Bible readers do I have in the room right now? Please read the Old Testament. Don't skip it, all right? I know some people just like to go through the New Testament and say that the Old Testament does not apply. While there is a lot. There is a lot in the Old Testament that does not directly apply to us. How else are you going to know the nature of God? Right? I feel like you get the mind and the nature of God through the Old Testament. And there are patterns there and there are principles there that we still embrace. And so um, in in this passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, we read that that, um, it had been prophesied because the Jews could not stop their idol worship, that God was going to allow the Jews to go into captivity and that Babylon would capture um israel and that they would go into babylonian captivity and um while they were there for a period of uh, 70 years um we got a lot of written record of what was going on during babylonian captivity and here's a story of daniel um that i want to talk to you where you see the scriptures embrace science in daniel chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 the king at the time the king spake unto ashpenaz name your child that the master of his eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of israel and the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish but well favored and skillful in all wisdom cunning in knowledge and understanding say that with me science science okay and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the Chaldeans. And so what was happening is it's kind of a crazy story. Um, but you, you, you see this attempt by the king of Babylon at the time to really start to wash away the culture of the Israel nation. And that's what happens when you're in captivity. They're trying to wash away their culture. And they said, I want you to bring me the brightest Hebrew boys that you can find. Listen to what it says there. I want them to be skillful in wisdom, cunning in knowledge, and understanding science. Now, Daniel was one of the brightest minds, but he was also a prophet. And so, you had this person who was—I—I uh, I, I don't normally like to use this word, but I'm gonna use this word to prove a point. Um, he was a very spiritual person. Again, okay, I don't love that word. Do y'all like that word, spiritual? Mixed emotions. No, you're like, I never thought about it. I don't love that word spiritual, but anyway, but for, for the, the, the lack of uh, just, you know, if you're just trying to make a point, so you had Daniel who's this very spiritual person. He's, he's a prophet, but the Bible says that he was also skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science. He was a bright, bright person. And, and so there's, there's no opposition between someone that can be used and known of God and this guy could hold it up in the science classroom. Are you with me? And for those of you that know, and we don't have time to unpack all of Daniel's story. For those of you that know Daniel's story, you know that he was used by God. Amen? He writes an entire book of our Bible. That's Daniel. And yet the Bible doesn't say that because he was a person of faith, he could not be a person learned in science. The Bible says that he was actually one of the brightest people in all of Israel. And he also happened to be a prophet. Let me take you to another passage of Scripture. Let's talk about King Solomon, the wisest man to become uh, the king of Israel, and, and and the Bible teaches us, and, and whether whether it's literal or, or or folk story, that's up for your debate. That God came to Solomon by dream, and told Solomon, you know, what would you like me to do for you? Um, it's 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 almost like Aladdin, you know, the genie shows up, it's like, what do you want? Um, sorry for the carnal example, but uh, trying to keep the brevity here, and so. So the Bible records that that God comes to Solomon and speaks to him in a dream, and Solomon says, "This all I want is wisdom, so that I can lead your people better." Ain't that a great request? I mean, how many would it like for your kids to actually answer one of your questions like that? You're like, I'll give you anything. Most of the time, you ask your kids what you want. It's like chicken nugget, Coke, you know, another toy, things they can't have. Anyway, I'm digressing. So Solomon says, I want wisdom so that I can lead your people better. And the Bible says that Solomon then, God gave him supernatural wisdom, and he was the smartest man really, if you check the biblical record, the smartest man on the planet at that time, so smart that kings and queens from other lands would come to Solomon just to talk with him because they wanted to know his wisdom. They wanted to see what he was doing, how he led Israel, the people. So in first Kings chapter four, it's talking about Solomon. Look at some of the descriptions of science. Oh, I'm sorry, of Solomon when it comes to science. And Solomon spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. So. You see that Solomon was such a smart mind, such a bright mind that people from all over the world, all walks of life would come just to hear him speak and listen to the things he spoke on. And now, and, 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 and I don't have time to go through all of it, but the Bible actually, we find scriptures that point to astronomy. We find scriptures that point to geology. We find scriptures that point to medicine, chemistry, physics, and biology, and, and can I give you my personal point of view? I am always amazed when science catches up with the scriptures. Because I've seen that happen a whole lot of times where you read this discovery and then they go back to, and, or, or even archaeology, you see this happen, where archaeology catches up with the Bible. That always just blows my mind. And, and 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 it's not even like I have to go back that far. How about just the scriptures talking about what we are seeing today, where The scripture says that this is going to start to happen. And 100 years ago, people might think there's no way. When will that ever happen? And now we're living in it. And now our children are going to live in it. And if God's going to wait any longer, then maybe even our grandchildren are going to live in the things that the Bible already said would happen. And so I believe that the scriptures, not only do they speak to science and not only do they talk about people that were learned in science, but I just love it when science and archaeology begins to affirm the scriptures that I know to be true. Now, Now, let's talk about the scriptures for a second. Did you know that the Bible was written by over 40 different authors over a period of 1,600 years? Okay, from the the time of the earliest writings to the dating of the last writings, it was a period of 1,600 years written by over 40 authors and not once did the scriptures disagree with one another. And the scriptures, when put into their proper context, are never in conflict. Man, you could not put 40 people together in a room today and can get them to agree on anything. Can I get a good amen on that? This is why I think the, the scriptures are so beautiful because 40 people, 1,600 years, and we have one harmonious book that is called the Bible, the Scriptures, God's Word to us, and I believe that when I look at that, that it has never been duplicated, and it'll never, ever go the same way again. I just believe the Bible to be the authority when I consider those things to be true. How many also hold that to be true as well, that the Bible is, that that is, that, I mean, it is the number one best-selling book of all time. And, and many times in history, there have, been, there have been kings that have sought to destroy the Bible, and the Bible just keeps on trucking along. Amen? And it doesn't matter how many times people have tried to stop this faith, faith continues to keep on trucking along. And I think that's why Jesus told Peter, when he told Peter, when he asked Peter the question, whom do men say that I am? And Peter confessed Jesus to be the Messiah. I think that's why he said, and that's why he said, and upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of heaven. Shall not prevail against it because it doesn't matter what this world has tried to do, it doesn't matter how this world is trying to snuff out faith. This Bible is going to keep on trucking along, these scriptures are going to keep on going. And as long as people are living and breathing on this earth, the church is always going to advance. Now, this Bible said that would happen thousands of years ago. Are you tracking with me so far? So that's why I hold the scriptures to be true. No other book can say the same. No other book. And if you were to d- dig deeper into other religions and, and some of their books, and for the interest of time, we can't right now, but you'd find a whole lot of discrepancy. You'd find a whole lot of stuff to be concerned about. People that said, this is how I received that, and they said, show me, and they can't show them. Or they said, that changed my mind. It was actually this. Or or or, or books that have come about after the Bible that directly con- contradict. The Bible and the scriptures, nothing else is like it. And so this is why I personally hold the scriptures to be true. But do you want to know what else the Bible says? Just while we're on the subject of scriptures, the Bible says this absolutely crazy thing. And and, and this is the, the thing that I really want to land on is the Bible declared that the son of God came into this world. He took on all of our pain and suffering. He was nailed to a cross. But here's a biggie right here. After they put him in a tomb in three days, he got up again. Now, that, 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 that's what the scriptures say, and, and let me transition why that matters, okay? Um, go over to that slide now that says this. There is science in our faith. There is science in our faith. I, I, bring up, I, I bring up that passage of scripture because without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith does not have a leg to stand on. I hope you get that. Without the resurrection of Jesus, without that single event, okay, our faith does not have a leg to stand on. That's, what, that's why I believe there is a degree of science to our faith. And, and let, let me unpack that for a second, okay? So the resurrection of Jesus is really the central part of our faith. And Paul said it this way. Paul said that, that we preach about Jesus because if you can get Jesus, all these other things are going to start to fall into place, I think what I think what happens and where a lot of churches get it wrong is Jesus is not the main thing. We talk about a lot of other things that happen in church, but Jesus is not central to our message. And I think that's where a lot of churches get it wrong because you can go down rabbit trails of scripture, okay? And, and you can do that, but you've got to remember that without the resurrection of Jesus, nothing matters. If Jesus does not come out of a tomb, if Jesus does not come out of that grave that they buried him in, then our faith does not mean anything because it is that resurrection that gave us victory over death, hell, and the grave. But listen, think about it for a second. If this man who claimed to be the Messiah dies, goes into a tomb and does not resurrect, what does that say about our Savior? Then he was crazy, as some people would dare say about him, but because he got up out of a grave, and you need to get this that is the single event that validates all that we believe to be true in the scriptures. that event right there, that event right there it, it validates and it affirms and 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 the reason the reason that that is so important. And the reason that I talk about the science of our faith, because it goes back to what I said earlier, the resurrection of Jesus was observed. The resurrection of Jesus was observed. Let me, let me read to you, okay? And again, if it's science, it must be observed and it must be repeated, right? Okay. Science, observation, and experiment. It has to be, it has to be repeated. So if our faith is hung on Jesus resurrecting out of a grave, if our faith is hung on a dead man coming up out of a grave. Okay, what science is there, if any? The Bible actually and historical records record that 500, everybody say 500. Okay, 500 people actually witnessed the resurrected Jesus. Okay, 500. I want you to catch that. So it actually starts to it actually validates. So while while we don't have, while we don't have a, a, an actual record of someone watching creation, right? So we don't know. But you know what we do have? We have 500 people that witnessed Jesus resurrect from the dead. And it didn't just happen one time. It happened on 12 different occasions in a 40-day period after his death. Jesus offered himself to be touched three times where he said, go ahead and touch me. Go ahead and touch me. It's recorded that he offered himself to be touched in three different occasions. And we know that it happened at least twice. And he showed his scars on two different occasions and he ate with his disciples. How many of you like to eat? He ate with his disciples. Y'all are weak. You're like, is that a trick question? It was not a trick question i mean jesus is so cool he's like i'm gonna just eat with you you know what i mean it's like that's just cool cool jesus hashtag that anyway and he ate with his disciples three to four times and on four encounters jesus was worshiped when he showed himself to his followers you guys tracking with me so far so while i may not be able to say to you with absolute certainty that i know how the world was created i can tell you that 500 people saw him after he got up out of a grave and I don't know how many people you need to have tell you in order to confirm a story but that's a whole lot of people saying we saw him that's a whole lot of people that observed him so observation experimentation well we know there's not going to be any experimentations they didn't experiment with him but 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 if we were to just take a step back and just ask ourselves did anyone see him there are 500 500 people people that we find from biblical and historical records and some of those historical records are not the bible y'all know that there was other writings that happened around the time of scripture that were not entered that were not put into the canon of scripture so there's other writings by the early church fathers that are out there and there are 500 over 500 people that said we saw him come on we saw him we touch him. So, so the scriptures that we by faith accept also accepts and embraces science as it brings to a close. So the scriptures embrace science. They're not in disagreement. They are not in disagreement. But what the scriptures do is it, it, it embraces Jesus, the son of God. And if we were going to approach this from a scientific or if you want to take a journalistic perspective, who are the eyewitnesses? The Bible records 500 eyewitnesses having seen Jesus get out of a tomb. Come on, someone give God glory for that. This I want you to get I want you to I want you to get how big that is, because if nobody sees him, where does that put our faith? If no one says we saw the resurrected Jesus, where does that put our faith? I think that's why he actually, after he rose from the dead, walked around this earth for 40 days because he had to be seen enough so that we could have this faith that we could hang on to to say that Jesus is a real person. He was nailed to a cross. He took my place. He came down to us because there was no way that we could ever get to him. Jesus lived a sinless life so that he could take on sin in and hang on a cross for us he paid a debt that he didn't owe because we had to pay a debt that there's no way that we could ever pay and this same Jesus that I'm preaching to you about is here today and he wants to introduce himself to you you see if you've never accepted Jesus if you've never invited him to be lord of your life I want you to make that decision today as we shared earlier, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. And Baptism Sunday is a day where we go public with our faith. We profess that we have put our belief in him. And like I said, there are a lot of things that you can put your faith in. But I would always ask you, ask yourselves, is this put, what, what validates this theory? What validates this theory? And the scriptures, while we get a whole lot of stuff, some of which we understand, some of which we don't understand, the big thing is Jesus. The big thing that we preach is Jesus. At the center of the gospel is his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And because that happened, and because it was observed, I stand in the confidence of knowing that he is here today. And I want—I hope I arm some of you with something to take back. Because the next time you're taught something as science, ask yourself, did anyone see it? Now, I, now I, I'm not going to. I'm not trying to compel you to get into it with your eighth grade like science teacher. That's not my heart, okay? That's not my heart. But parents, I also hope I gave you a little something that you can talk to your kid about. Because a lot of things will be taught to you, and they'll say it's science. And you'll have to ask yourself, who saw it? But you know who saw Jesus? Over 500 people saw him. Come on, clap your hands for the risen king in this place today.